Okay, so today we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and we're going to be starting at verse 15. So let's, let's open with a word of prayer. Father God, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you that you've given us your Holy Spirit so that we might understand your word, and not just, not just see uh, empty words that we can't grasp, but, but that you do give us understanding. You do give us comprehension beyond what... Uh, we could, we could learn on our own. We thank you for that blessing. Lord, we just pray as we study this morning that we'll be able to see that and, and appreciate um, what you've given us there. Pray that you bless our time now in your son's name. Amen. Okay, so to get our context, we're going to read uh, chapter 2, starting chapter 2, verse 10, and we'll read through chapter 3, verse 9. 2.10 through 3.9. These, <clears throat> these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit teaches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who comes from God, so that we may understand what has been freely given to us by God. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, expressing spiritual truth in spiritual words. The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, but they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. The person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely judgment. Judgments for. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he should instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. I'm sorry. But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you are not ready yet. Because you are still worldly. For since there is envy and strife among you, are you not worldly and behaving like mere humans? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere men? Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos, but ministers through, through whom you believed, as the Lord gave to each one? I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but God who causes the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, God's building. Okay. So, last time... Uh, <clears throat> I was teaching this, we, were, we looked at verses 10 through 14, and that's, you know, Paul's been talking about God's wisdom, and he wants to teach it to them. And so in, in 10 through 14, he first explains where he got this wisdom. You know, it's, it's that the Holy Spirit knows the thoughts of God. The Holy Spirit has imparted those, that information and those mysteries to Paul and to the other apostles and to the prophets of the early church. And so that's where this uh, knowledge, this wisdom has come from. It's come from God through the Spirit and then through these 
the gifted men that, that God has used to communicate that to, to the church. And so Paul, in turn, he, he says that's what he's been speaking to them, the wisdom that has come from God through the Spirit. Um, the problem is uh, what we see in verse 14, a natural man just can't understand those things. Um, they're beyond him. Uh, and the word for natural here was psuchikos, this, this soulish man. You know, all, all humans have souls. So this is the, you're looking at someone who's, you know, essentially not saved here. You're just, just a normal human being cannot grasp the things of God um, until they have the spirit. And we've, we've seen that before, um, that before Pentecost, before God poured out his spirit on, on man, even the disciples, they'd been following Jesus, what, three, three and a half years? And they just didn't get it. There's a few places in the New Testament where it says, you know, Jesus like breathed the spirit on them and opened their minds so they could grasp something. They were saved but they did not have the Holy Spirit before Pentecost. And so they were unable to grasp these things, to really understand them. Um, I think one, there's one place, I think it's when Jesus is talking to the woman at the well and talking about the, you know, the, the Spirit will come like, like water, but it says uh, these things he spoke of the Spirit who is not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. So after he, was after he was raised and ascended into heaven and was glorified, then the Spirit came down upon them. And, they were able, and, and upon us, we have that ability that they did not have um, throughout the Old Testament. So he's talking about the natural man. You know, he just can't grasp those things. Um, before I went into engineering, I was training to become a like a high school math teacher. And so I was thinking of an analogy from mathematics. You go into a, a class of third graders. You know, they know how to add and subtract and multiply and divide, or they should, you know. But if they start talking to them about calculus and differential equations and Fourier analysis and stuff like that, it's like, huh? So natural man is like a third grader. You know, they understand the basic, they, they can comprehend the basic things of Christianity because in the Old Testament we had believers, but they did not have the Spirit. So there was a certain level at which they could comprehend the things of God, but not as fully as we are able to now in, uh, with the Spirit. This thing about Abraham, you know, was considered uh, for because of his faith. Right. He was considered righteous. Right. They believed and obeyed the things they understood, but they could not understand things in depth. Um, God at times would, would put his spirit on a person and, and give them understanding or give them a prophecy. But as far as you know, all this wisdom and things were revealed in the church age that they did not have. And so we're, we're really blessed by having those things. <clears throat> So we're learning calculus and differential equations, <laughs> algebra and things that third graders can't quite grasp. 
Okay, so anyways, uh, we are starting at verse 15 today. So we've talked about the natural man, and looking at verses 15 and 16. But he who is spiritual appraises all things, yet he himself is appraised by no man. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he should instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. So here we see the spiritual man. Uh, he's defined as one who is capable of examining and discerning and understanding the spiritual wisdom of God that, we, that Paul has talked about in the preceding paragraph, these things that the Holy Spirit has revealed through the apostles. And so we have that ability. Um, he's also said to have the mind of Christ. We'll talk about that in a little bit. So where does this ability come from? It comes from the Holy Spirit. And we call this illumination. I think I've seen that term used. The Holy Spirit enables us to understand and to learn spiritual truths that we could not grasp apart from the Spirit. Let's turn back to Isaiah chapter 11. Isaiah chapter 11. I read this after writing up my notes for this, and I thought it was absolutely pertinent. Isaiah chapter 11, and would someone like to read verses 1 and 2? A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Okay, so this is a messianic passage. This is talking about the Messiah who is coming. Uh, and it begins by talking about uh, his ancestry in, of Jesse. So this is, this is about the man Jesus. This is not talking about his divine nature. This is talking about his human nature. And it says the spirit of the Lord will rest on him. So Jesus came as a man and lived as a man for a couple of reasons. One is in order to die on our behalf. He had to be one of us to represent us. Also, when you go through Hebrews and you look at the um, requirements of a, of a high priest, that he had to be a like, like us in all things so that he could um, go to God and intercede on our behalf. And so Jesus went through and experienced things. He was hot and tired. He was tempted. Well, scripture says he was tempted. You know, Satan tempted him. Um, how did he know what he knew from Scripture? Was it because he was a really, really smart human being? He probably was. But this says it's the Spirit of God who came upon him and gave him the understanding and the wisdom, the Spirit of knowledge. So from the time he was born, he had the Holy Spirit enabling him to understand God's Word. He didn't have the problem of an old sin nature trying to confuse things but he understood God's word. He had the scriptures. He had the Holy Spirit giving him understanding. And so that's where 
I, I think his, his knowledge and understanding came from. He was also a prophet, so God, through the Spirit, did reveal things to him directly. But when you really look at it, he, he, wasn't, he wasn't using his omniscience. He came as a man. He set aside uh, some of his uh, divine qualities to, to live as we live. So we have that same spirit. We ought to know the scriptures as well as Jesus did. Really. He's our example. If we're told to follow Jesus as our example and he was omniscient, I'm sorry, I can't do that. <laughs> but if he was a human being who relied on the Holy Spirit to give him understanding, yeah, I can, I can follow that example. So he, he understood who he was. He understood God's word through the Spirit. And he knew that this was how we would understand things. So let's look at John chapter 14. John chapter 14, and I'd like to read verse 26 for us. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Okay, so, so Jesus is telling his disciples, the Helper, the Holy Spirit, will come and he will teach you. And Jesus knew that from experience because the Holy Spirit had taught him all things. And again, this is future tense, when he comes. When is that? That's after he's glorified, which is in the day of Pentecost. Let's turn over to chapter 16. Someone like to read verse 13 there. John 16, 13. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. Okay, so again, we have the, the Holy Spirit will come, not at that time, but after Christ is glorified, and he will... Uh, guide you into all the truth. You know, he's the spirit of wisdom and understanding, as we saw in Isaiah chapter 11. So today, the Holy Spirit indwells all of us. So we can be considered spiritual. Now, that does not necessarily mean that we're mature, but we are spiritual. We have the spirit. Um, now, some... Uh, People will look at verse 15 and says, but he who is spiritual, and they would, they, they interpret that to mean those who are mature as believers, who have knowledge. Um, but, and then that they would then be uh, able to impart this special understanding. And that's, that's something you got into in Gnosticism. You know, you had this special class of people who were, given the deeper truths. So you had a, a different class of people who had that ability. Well, um, that's not Christianity. We all have the ability. God wants all of us to learn and understand. <clears throat> so we looked at a, a couple verses from John um, where he's talking about the Holy Spirit who is going to come. Jesus said the Spirit will come and give you knowledge, understanding. Let's turn to 1 John. And so instead of looking 
instead of quoting Jesus talking about what will happen, now in 1 John, he's looking at what has happened, kind of looking back. So 1 John chapter 2, is someone like to read verse 20 for us? Okay. So here he's looking back. He says, you've got the Holy Spirit. You know the truth because it, the Spirit is giving you the truth. Now, I think what he's doing here is he's assuming that they're not babes. He's assuming that they have matured, that they have learned. Because going down, someone would like to read verse 27 now for us. But the anointing that you receive from him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you. But as the anointing teaches you about everything, and that is true, and is no, no lie, just as it's been taught to you, abide in him. Okay, again, he talks about the anointing that you have and you've learned. Now, it's, it's, but there's a problem clause in here where it says, you have no need for anyone to teach you. Some people just are unteachable and they'll come to this verse and use it to defend the fact that they're not going to listen to anybody else. <laughs> I have the Holy Spirit. I don't have to pay attention to anyone else. I, I don't think that's what it means here. I mean, you, you go through the list of spiritual gifts. There's teachers. God gives teachers. Um, that's Ephesians 4. It talks about spiritual gifts and teachers. Um, we won't look at it, but back in Acts chapter 13, it talked about Antioch, where um, Paul and other teachers were. So we see teachers and teaching all through scriptures. Uh, you know, the word of God is profitable for teaching. And, we, you know. and I think what, what John is writing here is he's writing to those who he believes are mature, that they have learned these things, and, and that's... The Holy Spirit has given them understanding. Um, not that they shouldn't listen to anybody else. Because that just does not fit with, that interpretation just does not fit with um, all the other scriptures that we have in the New Testament. So as we, as we come here, you know, it's... Um, Paul is assuming that all believers have the Spirit and are able to comprehend and understand. And he prays for this. So let's look at Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, would someone like to read verses 17 and 18 for us? That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, they give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and of knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. Okay, so this is his prayer for them. He's praying for all of them because he believes all of them can learn these things. Um, the giving of the Holy Spirit is a spiritual blessing. Going back to verse 3, Three, he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. We have all the assets, all the resources that we need to understand God's word. And he is praying for the Ephesians that they will use those resources and learn and grow to know God better, to know Christ better. 
He's not picking out some exclusive group of special people from the church who are going to be taken on to some higher uh, level of learning. He's praying for all of them. Uh, we also see this in Colossians. Let's turn to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. Someone like to read verse 9 for us. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, you have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Okay, that's praying for the Colossians, that they would all learn and grow and understand. Um, and then verse 10, it says, so that you may walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. So the result of this growth and this understanding is a lifestyle that, that is worthy, that matches our position in Christ. Um, so he assumes that they can grow, and he's praying that they will grow and become mature. Okay, going back to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 15, he talks about um, he who is a sp spiritual appraises all things, but the spiritual man uh, is not appraised by others, by natural man here. Um, and so... What this is saying is that the people who are in the world, the un unsaved, cannot understand how we think the way we do. They don't grasp spiritual things. They don't understand um, uh, our moral standings, our ethics, our, our understanding of creation, of God, all these things. They just, they don't grasp that. And so, you know, they try to uh, examine us. They try to uh, test us in a way. Um, and you can see this sometimes, churches especially, they get calls from people who need help for some reason. And I've answered a couple calls like this where I said, well, you're a church. You ought to be helping us. They try to make you feel guilty for not giving them money because they assume something. They judge you because you have a different wisdom than they do. Um, another one, you know, Christians are supposed to love everyone just the way they are, right? That's the big thing now. And we have all these welcoming churches. Okay, you're, you're living in total violation of God's moral standards, but we love you anyways. You know, that is worldly wisdom. I think we love them. Well, you accept them as they are and don't try to make them change. Right. Yeah. And, they, and it's a misunderstanding of what God's love is and God's moral principles. Um, and then on the other hand, where we do say, well, that's wrong. Well, what are we then? We're, we're hateful, right? So we get... Intolerant. We're intolerant and hateful because we understand God's moral standards. So that's what he's talking about here. He himself is appraised by no man. Well, they can't understand us because they're on a whole different wavelength here. Um, okay, where was I in my notes? So Paul 
um, then goes on and supports these statements that the spiritual man appraises all things, yet those who are natural is not, cannot appraise them. He goes on in verse 16, and he, he quotes from Isaiah chapter 40, verse 13, where he says, Who has known the mind of the Lord that he should instruct him? So this is kind of sarcasm, I guess. You know, God's sarcasm as expressed through Isaiah. Uh, are you telling me how it, what I'm supposed to do is how God is saying it? Um, are you instructing me? I think of the, the latter part of the book of Job when you get to like chapter 40 or so and, and God finally addresses Job directly and says, you know, it's kind of like, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Where were you? Did you tell me what to do? Do you understand all this stuff? <laughs> you know, he, he basically put Job in his place. Job was a little bit on the proud side. He was a righteous man, but he was a little on the proud side there. And God said, no, you, you don't know your place relative to me. And so he puts him in his proper place. Um, that God is greater and, than we are. Um, now, one of the things that uh, it says here, we have the mind of Christ. God has revealed to us the mind of Christ. And if you look at the quotation from Isaiah and then you look at the last phrase that Paul writes, he says, who has known the mind of the Lord? In Isaiah, that's Jehovah or Yahweh. But we have the mind of Christ. Paul is equating Christ with Jehovah here. We have the mind of Jehovah. We have the mind of Christ. Now, we, we could go to a familiar passage. Romans 11 is, where, is Paul's doxology. Where, you know, he, he talks about the, the depth of the understanding of God. You know, we can't discern his ways. You know, at, as mature as we might ever get as believers, we just do not, we can never grasp the greatness of God's thoughts, the depths of his knowledge and wisdom. But Christ has shared his mind with us. We have the mind of Christ. We have a lot that he has revealed to us. Let's go back to John, this time John chapter 15. And someone like to read verse 15. John 15, 15. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. Okay. Jesus is saying, everything I've heard from God, the Father, I told you. I'm, I'm not withheld anything here. I've told you all things. Uh, let's turn to chapter 17. Someone like to read verses 6 through 8 here. John 17, 6 through 8. I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours, you gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them in the gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. 
Okay, again, you know, here's his prayer to the Father. He says, you know, I manifested you to them. I've tried to show them who you are as, as, as much as possible. The words you gave me, I gave to them. They received them. They did not reject God's words. Um, and here he says, they understood that I came forth from you. But this is a partial understanding. They didn't understand everything. And they would not until the day of Pentecost. After the, Peter especially, after the day of Pentecost, it's like, boom, the light came on and he went out and he preached. <laughs> All these things that he didn't quite understand before, he understood. But we see, we're given the mind of Christ. He gave it to the disciples. Let's turn to Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1. And would someone like to read verses 1 through 3? The revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angels to his servant John, who testifies to everything he saw. That is the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of his prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it, because the time is near. Okay, so here we have the revelation of Christ. God gave to him, which God the Father gave him, in order to show to his bondservants, who are his are believers. Um, and then it was given to John, and so John now is writing it down and giving it to us. So again, we see, um, when we say we have the mind of Christ, this is part of it, book of Revelation. This is Jesus revealing these things, these future events, to us through John, because he wants us to know. Um, and so, in Scripture, we have the mind of Christ. But understanding that requires the Holy Spirit. But God's also given us the Holy Spirit. So we really should know these things. Um, and I just, I think especially, you know, reading through the gospel sometimes, um, there's places where Jesus seems a little bit surprised that other people don't know the things that he knew. Remember when he was, I guess he was 12 and he was left behind at the temple? And, and he told his parents, well, this is my father's house. Don't you know that? Don't you know that? <laughs> I should be here. He knew it. He knew who he was. He was the son of God. He belonged in his father's house. And he looks at his parents and says, don't you understand? Um, and so we, we see something like that. We see in John chapter 3, Nicodemus comes to him. And Jesus says, you know, you've got to be born again to enter the kingdom of God. And so there's this little bit about how do you get born again? And, and Jesus responds, he says, aren't you the teacher of Israel? Don't you know these things? Nicodemus did not know. He did not understand. Jesus understood what the Old Testament was said about it. Nicodemus didn't. And so there's, there's a few places where it's like, you know, I, I don't know if it's surprise or exasperation or what, but it's like, golly, guys, <laughs> this is in God's word. <laughs> this is what it actually says. 
Um, and you see it later in his, his preaching where he says, you have been told, but I say unto you. You know, you've been given the wrong interpretation, wrong explanation. But I'm telling you what the, the accurate explanation is. So, if you want to know God and what he's doing, you make sure you're submitting to the Spirit and you're reading God's Word. And you'll get to know God, you'll get to know his plan, his plan for you, what his, who he is, what he's like. Um, we've got... 6,000 years history of who he is, what he's done, what he says. Um, you know, we don't have Jesus walking with us to watch him. We have all this written history of, of, of who God is and what he's done. So that's the best way of getting to know him is to see who and what he is and how, he's, how he has acted over the ages. <clears throat> okay, so that, fig that finishes up chapter 2. Getting into chapter 3, we've got a whole change of uh, emphasis here where he now rebukes the Corinthians because they've got some problems and we have a rebuke here starting in verse 1. It says, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual men, but as to men of flesh, as to babes in Christ. And the first thing to notice is he says, Brethren, they are brothers in Christ. He's addressing them as fellow Christians. He's not questioning their salvation. He's questioning their growth. So he knows they're saved, but they haven't grown. So it's not, he's not questioning whether they're saved or not. And he says he can't speak to them or address them as spiritual men or spiritual people. So if, you know, we're spiritual people, we should be able to hear and understand God's word and grow by it. But he says, he couldn't talk to them that way. They, you know, it just wasn't clicking, even though, um, even though he wants to speak to them that way. Um, now the word spiritual has, is kind of a little slightly different connotation. Back in verse um, 15, you know, we said, he who is spiritual, he who has the spirit, appraises all things. Now he's talking more to those who not only have the ability to appraise all things, but who have done it, who have actually learned a little bit. They've started, you know, it's like a baby who's learned to walk. And now maybe they can teach them to run. So they've been listening, they've been hearing. And he said, I can't talk to you that way. You still, you're still crawling. You haven't even learned to walk yet. Um, so they haven't started to grow. Um, let's, and so he's talking about some degree of maturity here. Let's turn to Galatians chapter 6. Look at verse 1. Where he, he uses the term in the same way. Would someone like to read that for us? Galatians 6, 1. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of judgment. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Okay, so um, basically he's talking about someone who has uh, some maturity here. He's also just, in the previous chapter, talked about the fruit of the Spirit. So someone who is uh, 
yielding to the Spirit, who's filled with the Spirit, who has some maturity, is to go and help the brother. So it's not just talking about having the Spirit, being saved, but actually showing some sign of growth and, and living in the Spirit. So Paul's addressing the Corinthians. He wants to speak to them as mature believers. Back in chapter 2, verse 6, it says, But we speak wisdom among those who are mature. Wisdom, however, not of this age. So he says, if you've got some maturity, I've, I've got things I want to tell you, um, but I can't. Because he says, you're, you're not acting like spiritual. He says, but you're like men of flesh. Um, like, you know, unbelievers. You're acting like unbelievers. Um, you're, and you're babes in Christ. You know, you're, you're laying there like a blob on the floor and I want to teach you to get up and run and play and do all kinds of things. You know, you haven't even learned to walk yet. You're still having trouble crawling. Um, now, a brand new believer, you would expect to act that way. A one-week-old baby is not expected to crawl or walk or anything like that. You expect them to be totally immature. Um, you know, uh, people who come to faith in Christ, yes, God makes changes in them, but they've spent how many years in the world? You know, all their values, all their thinking, all their moral principles, everything is from the world. And you can't expect them to change that fast. It takes time to grow and mature. Um, you know, you can't question their conversion just because they're not acting like a mature believer. Of course they're going to make dumb mistakes. They're not going to um, do things that you would expect a, a more mature believer to do. You should expect them to act like they've been acting for the last how many years. Um, it takes some time to change. It's not like expecting the fruit. Right. You know, because they're growing, not producing fruit. It takes, it takes a while to produce fruit, yeah. So, um, you know, a brand new baby believer, you, you don't expect it from. The problem is they're not brand new baby believers in Corinth. It's been a while. Uh, you know, Paul served there for, I can't remember how long it was, maybe a year or more. When he left, Apollos came and taught them. You know, they ought to be more mature. Um, and so, you know, Paul is saying, don't be like children, don't be like infants. Let's turn to chapter 14, 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Someone like to read verse 20 for us. Brothers and sisters, stop thinking like children in regard to evil be in regard to evil be infants, but in your thinking be adults. Okay. Don't think like children. Be mature in your thinking. Now regarding evil, bad things, he says, yeah, don't don't be involved with that. But stop thinking like children. Um, Let's go, let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. This is on 
God giving spiritual gifts and, and what is the, the reason and the consequence of that, what that's, what's supposed to happen. So Ephesians chapter 4, um, someone would like to give verse, read verses 11 through 14 for us here. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ. Through 14, oh, please. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children, but tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind and doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Okay. So we start out as children, but God gives us gives the church uh, teachers and, and pastors and and those who have the communication gifts to teach them God's word, and then through, as we've been reading through the power of the Holy Spirit, the understanding that goes with it, that produces the growth so that we're no longer children, uh, and that we can become mature. We can produce fruit. We can become um, stable in our lives. And so that's how we start growing into maturity. Again, we start out as babes, totally. Milk drinkers. I, what? Milk drinkers. <laughs> yeah, not even yeah, milk drinkers. Mm -hmm. But we're not to stay that way. We're to go on and grow. So, and again, the problem in Corinth was that they had not progressed. They hadn't gone beyond drinking milk. They were still babes. So, well, we need to stop there. Um, so now, would you like to close in prayer for us? Since you're sitting right behind our, my normal prayer. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, for this time in your word, the teaching that Cheryl's given us. We just pray that you'll open our hearts to it and that we will grow in you as, as God wants us to be. We ask that you will bless the service to come and be with Robert as he brings the message. We just ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. <coughs> I shall be sick.